Hello and welcome to the 24th episode of Language of My Soul podcast. This episode we'll be talking about females in the workplace and witch hunting. So without further ado, let's begin. The question last episode was, what's a piece of unsolicited advice you gave, considering their circumstances, would have been extremely helpful but fell on deaf ears. My friend, Ethan, and I both graduated with a computer science degree, where he finished first. Despite this, he was still unemployed when I finished as well. I gave him advice regarding job hunting, resume tips, and actions he could take to make himself more employable. Ethan had no jobs prior to finishing uni, joined no clubs to write down soft skills, and had no volunteer work or achievements. If you read his resume, it would effectively be a blank page. Education and school. Not exactly the most attractive hire. I told him he needed things to fill out his resume with, to join hacking competitions or to create his own computer science projects to stand out. To ensure things happened, I arranged weekly progress meetings, but things always stalled despite months of passing by. This advice wasn't just empty words. I took the advice myself where it landed me a job despite failing several classes and having the GPA of a monkey. If he took my advice properly, joined hacking or created programming projects, his resume would no longer look like some teenager starting out in the world. It would look like someone with potential and could exponentially grow. In computer science, making your own projects shows enough competence to make up for the lack of employment history. Graduating from university isn't enough anymore. There's thousands upon thousands of computer science graduates in Australia alone, and far, far less jobs. Getting a degree is like passing year 12. It's the minimum bar. There's a certain amount of arrogance in what I just said, where I could solve someone else's problems and 100% knew it would help them. I regret ever giving my advice to him. Instead of trying to discover a solution together and just listening, I took away the autonomy and ownership of his problem and then shoved my solution down his throat. To make matters worse, I arranged weekly progress meetings, forcing him to follow my solution whether he liked it or not. To improve one's resume and employability has countless different solutions. My solution was but one of hundreds. More suitable resolutions could have been discovered if I spent more time listening rather than talking. Fortunately, our relationship wasn't strained because of my actions. The target of today's witch hunts aren't witches, but any males in leadership positions. Starting with a shitty media list, allegations have endlessly grown. One recent example was Riot Games, the parent company of League of Legends, having an overly bro culture. The issue is there's virtually no desire to uncover the truth and the alleged perpetrators are assumed to be guilty. Did the scope of the allegations 100% occur or were negative events exaggerated in one's mind? Were they malicious or was it simply a difference in what's acceptable? Another case is the US Capitol riots. A male policeman shot a female who rushed the building. Subsequently, he was put on voluntary vacation and being investigated. Excuse me? Wasn't his job to protect the Capitol building no matter what? Now he's being treated like a criminal for doing his job. My co-worker mentioned how her manager didn't act like one. She expected someone upright, formal. But what she got was someone much more casual. There's always an image of how a person should act. It's a game of unwritten rules. The differences between one's imagination and reality is where the conflicts start. 
This gets compounded with the mix of cultures everywhere. A Western English second language teacher taught students in Japan. He tried to act like a friend to them, but was severely rejected, with his students saying that they'll never be his friend. The teacher-student relationship is extremely formal in Asian countries and do not mesh well with Western ideas of casualness. Let's imagine that I was the boss of a large company and wanted to compliment someone. That person would usually be my secretary because she's always around. Simple words like, you look good today, or that was a great presentation. In response, she would smile and laugh. Given her positive reaction, I would think I did a great job and continue on with my life. However, she could think that these comments were unwanted sexual advances or harassment. Except, how on earth would I know that? There were no telltale signs of displeasure or being uncomfortable. All I see is someone who has a positive reaction to my compliments. How does one know they have ever stepped the bounds? What's acceptable changes from person to person? Someone raised on internet culture is fine with your mum jokes, but say that to the wrong person and they can get aggressive. Nobody can read someone else's mind. There might be signs of this based on non-verbal body language, but that's all they are. Signs. Until someone tells us to cease unwanted behaviour, we will continue on knowing no better. That's why the culture of anonymous allegations is so destructive. Actions someone deemed harmless could be perceived as seriously damaging to another. This gets compounded in today's progressive business world with micro-addressions training everywhere. Amusingly, this tends to increase the reporting of others' actions. What else would happen when your entire staff is trained that everyone is out to attack you and then reward reporting? It might not be everyone, but as soon as a critical mass is achieved, then everyone's a Stutzi agent. There's always a contention between those in lower and higher positions. Those in lower positions might not want to speak up against their boss. Instead of raising their point, they just play along, let it go and laugh. I've done the same thing many times, just laughing along instead of contesting what happened. How many times have we seen others do the same thing? It's a part of the games we play. What can happen, will happen. Murphy's Law. Eventually, an anonymous allegation will come for you. It's merely a question of how many females are in your workplace, time and how up your position is. These allegations are taken as the absolute truth and there's no interest in discovering what really happened. Even if they're cleared, you've already got fired and suffered a massive reputational damage. Forget getting hired either. Who wants to hire someone when their first five Google hits are news articles about how you sexually assaulted co-workers or something as damning? Don't count on it getting retracted or corrected either. And even if it does get corrected, It'll just be a tiny footnote that nobody reads. This all leads me to an extreme conclusion. It's best not to hire any females at all. After all, these allegations occur between males and females. No females means no allegations, no witch hunts, no reputation smeared, no losing your job. In today's world, there's just far too many incentives for Me Too letters. During the witch hunting craze in the medieval times, some politicians used their wives to denounce the opposition's wife as a witch. This was usually more than enough to secure their position. The same perverse incentive occurs today. If I wanted a promotion and there was another strong contender, then a simple scheme, either a fake or real Me Too letter, would knock them out of the running. 
By the time their name is cleared, I've already got the top position. I was reading a Quillet article on Stephen Galloway, who was accused of rape and 19 accounts of sexual abuse against his students. He was denounced, shamed and fired from his job. At the time of the allegations, Galloway was competing for a top position. These allegations were spearheaded by someone who was after the same position as well. After Galloway was fired, she took that top position. Now, isn't that convenient? After a two-year court battle, he was declared innocent. In the battle of he said, she said, females will always get the benefit of the doubt. Especially if they're pretty. I'm sure you already knew this. These accusations are always vague. They usually happened some time ago, which means memories are extremely patchy. They take place in dimly lit and cameraless locations. In today's witch hunting world, you're guilty until proven innocent and these conditions virtually guarantee you condemnation. The biggest hurdle to not hire any females would be the legalities. Most first world nations have anti-discrimination laws, so blatantly not hiring females would result in a lawsuit. Hire a female and you might get witch hunted. Don't hire a female and you might get sued. Males are truly stuck between a rock and a hard place. I believe it was Trump's secretary who mentioned how he interacts with females. Always keep doors open. Keep them at arm's length. No after work events, especially when dimly lit and without cameras. Going for drinks with co-workers might sound fun. Too bad the dimly lit alcohol and murky camera footage makes it a breeding ground for future allegations. A standard business cannot enact the no females policy. There's too much risk. Keeping the company below 10 people would reduce the probability of active discrimination being picked up. It would also be easier to defend in court should this happen. A better business structure is to have no employees at all, only contractors since they have less legal protections. Personally, I would be ready to nuke my entire company should courts force me to hire females. In an ideal world, going to such lengths should not be necessary. Too bad that this is reality. In the name of protecting females, witch hunters have increased their zeal. Ironically, their actions have harmed the future possibilities for a majority of females. Now I'm just a random person rambling on a podcast about what actions I'll take, but that doesn't mean anything. I have no business, no power, no position of authority. I'm just a pleb. Without a doubt though, powerful people are taking serious measures to protect themselves from a PR nightmare that is witch hunts. These measures usually end up with females getting kept at arm's length and denied future possibilities. It's not always the advertised positions that count, but rather the hidden ones. An easy way to get ahead in the workplace is with a mentor. These people have gone through the same shit you have and couldn't give advice from their other experiences. They would be looking after you, fighting for promotions on your behalf and set up opportunities for you to shine. Mentors don't operate under standard 9 to 5. You'd be meeting after work for drinks, dinner, to discuss strategies. In other words, in dimly lit locations with little security footage. So what kind of insane mentor would choose a female? No matter how nice someone is, or how much they want to help someone. With their reputation, jobs and lives on the line, only a very few would mentor a female. Even if the mentee doesn't ever accuse you of anything. It simply takes a few rumours to manifest into the truth. Then, soon enough, you're on a voluntary vacation leave that turns into a permanent one.
The question for this episode is, if you had a million dollars, but couldn't spend it on yourself, how would you spend it and why? So with that concluding thought, thanks all for listening. If you wanted to send through your answer to my weekly questions or have your own big questions, there's a voice clip link in the description. Or send it to thelanguageofmysoul at protonmail.com.